when it comes to divine works, here's Pastor Xavier Reese with a reminder that God stands alone. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The work of the temple could not be accomplished by human ability. This was a divine work of God, the strength of God's spirit. The problem is we're always trying to help God out. He and others have to believe and depend on God in faith. That's always part. Faith always points you back to God's revelation whether you believe it or not. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. War and the weapons of war. From long-range nuclear missiles to the best defense systems, the world's powers seem to be reliant on who has the biggest guns. But coming up, Pastor Xavier reminds us how even the mightiest weapons are powerless in comparison to the sovereign plan of the Almighty God and Lord of Hosts. Right now, it's time to join him for today's important simple truths in a study entitled, Only by God's Spirit. Let's listen. Zechariah chapter 4, the entire chapter, verse 1 through 14, the message entitled, Only by God's Spirit. In chapter 3, we saw man is unfit for service due to sin, and he must be cleansed by God's righteousness. Joshua was standing in his filthy garments, but God removed his iniquity and clothed him with rich robes as the representative of the nation of Israel. In chapter 4, we are going to see that man is also unable to accomplish the work of God by human strength or abilities. The arm of flesh. We are good at that. The vision of the lampstand with the two olive trees was to give confident assurance to Zechariah about the completion of the temple. And it unfolds for us in three movements here. Let me read chapter 4. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who awakens out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I am looking and there is a lampstand of solid gold and a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps and seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it and at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone. With shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of the temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that I, the Lord of hosts, has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which can to and fro throughout the whole earth. And then I answered and said to him, were these two olive trees at the right hand of the lampstand and at the left? And I've further answered and said to him, Were these two olive branches that dip into the receptacles and two golden pipes from which the golden oil drains? Then he answered me and said, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. And he said, These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole 
earth. The vision of the lampstand, the two olive trees, was to give confidence assurance to Rubabel about the completion of the temple. Three scenes. First, the introduction of the symbols revealed to Zechariah related to the temple in verse 1 through 5. Second scene is a revelation to Zechariah related to the completion of the temple in verse 6 through 10. And third scene is the interpretation of the symbols related to the temple in verse 11 through 14. The introduction of the symbols revealed to Zechariah, they were related to the temple. Verse 1 through 5. Notice here in verse 1, the prophet Zechariah is approached by the angel for the vision. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man is awakened out of his sleep. The angel is the same one that has been speaking to Zechariah, if you've been reading and following us, indicated by the one who talked with me. The angel spoke to him in the first and the second vision in chapter 1, verse uh, 9 and 19. In the vision of the four horses, there are declared in verse 9 of chapter 1. The vision of the four horns and the craftsmen or the smiths, uh, depending on your translation, in chapter 1, verse 9, 21. So it's the same angel. There's other angels, but this one's the one that keeps talking with him. And the angel will speak to Zechariah throughout the vision. You will find him in 4.4 4 also here, verse 5, verse 6, verse 11, 12, 13, and 14. He's all over this chapter. He asks questions to Zechariah. He gives answers to the questions that Zechariah asks him. Now this angel will continue to speak and interpret for Zechariah the remaining visions. You will find him in chapter 5, verse 2, 3, 5, 8, and 10, and the last time in chapter 6, verse 5. Now the visions are from God. All were imparted to Zechariah in one night. On February 24, 520 B.C., Zechariah 1.7 gives us that. Now it's important for us to note the dates when dates are given so we can mark where it is, how long it took, and different things. They're key. Now, the vision came five months after the rebuilding of the temple had resumed. Remember Haggai chapter 1 verse 15. They repented and they went to the mountains and began to rebuild again. Now, the visions in the book are full of figurative language. As you read it, you're very uh, observing this without any problem. And the symbols and signs are literal. Sometimes people will take figurative language and make all kinds of weird interpretations because figurative language through symbol signs and types, it doesn't mean it's not a literal event taking place. John writes the book of Revelation, he used a figurative language, but he's talking about real events that take place. So figurative language does not mean that it's not real, okay? It's just not the case. The visions are interpreted by the angel so that we're not left to our own subjective interpretation. Notice still verse 1, the prophet seemed to have fallen asleep. He came back and awakened me as a man is awakened out of his sleep. The place from where the angel returned is not given to us. He could have gone to heaven, come back. He could have been another errand God had sent him. We're not told. The point being that between the last vision and this one, that Zechariah had dozed off. Remember, he's receiving all these visions in one night. Okay? The last vision was of the reclothing of Joshua, the high priest, as a representative of the nation in chapter 3. The vision now is the building of the temple and the completion here in chapter 4. The fact Zechariah was asleep and had to be awakened 
does not make this a dream. He was awakened and received the vision while being awake. So you have to make sure you mark that well. Now look at verse 2 and 3. The prophet Zechariah was questioned by the angel about the vision. The perception of the prophet is examined. And this is always seen in scripture. And he said to me, what do you see? You remember Jeremiah 1.11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Jeremiah 1.11. And the word of the Lord came to me a second time, speaking about Jeremiah. What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot and it is facing away from the north. Jeremiah 1.13. God tells the perception of the prophet. God was going to judge Israel. They were the meat and the city was a cauldron. God was going to judge them through Babylon. Interesting calling on Jeremiah's day. You remember Amos the prophet. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Amos 7, 8. The plumb lines drop to see how crooked you are in regards to God. The northern kingdom. Amos 8, 2. And he said, Amos, what do you see? So I said, a basket of summer fruits, but bad fruit. They had become idolatrous, turned their back on God. So the perception of the prophet spiritually is checked. Now the perception of the prophet Zechariah is being here checked or examined. And it was needed to be assured that what he was seeing was with clarity because it's going to be communicated to the people of God. The perception again, Zechariah responds to the angel that he saw a lamb stand in the vision. He responds appropriately. He confirmed what he was seeing in the vision. So I said, I am looking and there's a lamb stand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. Like the lamb stand in the tabernacle as well as the temple of Solomon. Exodus 25, 31, you have the tabernacle there. Now, he describes the specific details for the replenishing of the oil here in the seven lamps of the lampstand. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. This is different from the lampstands in the tabernacle because Aaron would have to renew the oil in the evening and the morning. Exodus 25, 32, Leviticus 24, 1 through 4. Here, there's no need to be replaced. It's doing automatically as we'll see this. So it's just a little different here. Now, it is amazing as you read commentaries of the different interpretations. Just to give you an example of spiritual language here where it speaks about the seven lamps at the seven bowls and all that. They come up with seven plus seven, 14, and seven times seven, four, 490, all kinds of weird stuff. What do you get to that? It just says there's seven pipes coming from the seven lamps from these two trees we're going to see. It's just simple. Now, verse 3, Zechariah told the angels he saw two more things. He stated... What he saw, two olive trees are by it. And he describes the specific details about the two olive trees. One at the right of the bowl and the other on the left. So the perception of Zechariah is right on spot. In verse 4 to 5, notice the prophet Zechariah now questions the angel about the vision. The response of the prophet was that he was puzzled. By the vision. So I answered and I spoke to the angel who talked with me saying, what are these, my Lord? Zechariah could accurately and clearly describe what he saw. The lampstand, the two olive trees. But Zechariah could not understand what he saw. He had no idea what they indicated or meant spiritually. 
John the Beloved was taken to the day of the Lord, tribulation, great tribulation, the last seven years. And he describes things with understanding of his day. How do you describe nuclear war and ships and bombs and stuff like that? It's hard to do, isn't it? So he describes them in the figurative language to describe what he's seeing literally. Being taken into the future. Now, the response of the angel was that he was surprised that Zechariah did not know. Even those things he was familiar with in terms of a lampstand, he was surprised. Do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. The words of the angel, do you not know these things, implies that he should have known them. Now, we're not given why or anything, but that he should have known them. He was familiar with the lampstand and the association of the temple and the priesthood. He's old enough probably to be have seen Solomon's temple, and certainly he had the history of the tabernacle. And the words of Zechariah confirmed this lack of understanding and comprehension of these images. He said, no, my Lord. He admitted his ignorance. He admitted he needed to be helped in order to understand. In a way, it's, it's, it's almost like you don't understand, but at the same time, it's, it's good that you acknowledge you don't understand. Because sometimes in, in, in the life of the Spirit, we can get caught up with pride, and we think we know more than we should, and we really don't. Only God knows the future. Listen to Isaiah 41, or 21 through 24. And he's speaking to the gods of the age uh, that declare themselves. He says, present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your uh, strong reason, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring forth and show us what will happen. Let them show the former things, what they were, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them. Or declare to us things to come. Show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that you are gods, small g. Yes, do good or do evil. That we may be dismayed and see it together. Indeed, you are nothing and your work is nothing. He who chooses you is an abomination. I am amazed of the multitudes of people that are so void spiritually that they run to so many just false teachers, false prophets today. People that rip them off. Both in the church and the secular world. Palm readers, pronosticators. Today there are many who take the liberty to interpret the Bible and prophecy in a subjective way. They give whatever meaning they want to the symbols, the signs, and the figurative language, shadows, and types to serve their own purposes and their agenda. And men are clever. Peter warns about those men in chapter 2 of Peter. They will have great followings from within the church in the last days. They ignore the context of who it's spoken to and they just apply it to anybody else. Straight across. I think of Scientology. Cult. W. Armstrong. Cult. Jim Jones. Cult. Koresh. Cult. And there's thousand others that we know nothing about. And people voluntarily go. Because they have a spiritual void. They're deceived. Jeremiah. 1414 says, And the Lord said to me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, command them, nor spoke to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their hearts. 
The Bible must be interpreted with certain principles of interpretation. The first rule of mention means that when something is mentioned for the first time, usually it means the same thing consistently all the way through, unless otherwise stated within the context. Such as gold is deity, brass is judgment, silver is redemption. You have uh, leaven, which is sin. You have birds, which are always evil. When you have a woman, it's always symbolic of religion, and on, on and on. And these are consistent things that are the same all the way through in Scripture. Now, parables are, are, are just destroyed so often by pastors and teachers. Parables do one of two things. They compare, they contrast, okay? They have one central message, a punchline. So you cannot give an interpretation to every little detail. You destroy the message. And often what is taught, even though those principles are followed, is the wrong approach to it. And one of the ones that's always taught wrong is remember that judge that didn't fear God or man. And that woman came to get, make, do justice of her. And, uh, and the scripture says that he didn't fear God or man, and, but this lady kept bugging him, so he said, I'm going to get her off my back and do justice, right? So people teach that, and pastors teach that, as we have to be consistent, persistent in prayer, keep asking, asking, asking. Well, if parables compare and contrast, if I teach that, then I'm making it a comparison, and I'm making God like that evil judge that has to be bugged so he can give me what I want. It's not a comparison, it's a contrast. Even though this man doesn't fear God or man, and he did justice to this man, how much more God? Now, what is taught in persistent in prayer is biblical, but not for that context. You've just destroyed the parable. So it's very, very important. Prophecy must be judged by the word of God, not subjectively with a creative imagination that man has to fit the current events and whatever they want to do. Because a lot of people get work. You know, there are people who have believed people when they say, you know, Jesus is coming back in X number of years or this and that. And people have sold all. People, you know, there's count on it. They say, well, I'm going to drop out of the school. Listen, you're to live your life like if Jesus can come back right now and that he might not come back before you die. So you plan your life, you work hard, you be alive, you be responsible, and you be looking up to your Redeemer. Are we clear on that? Okay? The prophet who has a dream, Jeremiah says, let him tell the dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the shaft of the wheat, says the Lord, Jeremiah twenty three twenty eight. You get wheat, you pull it out, there's a husk around you. Rub it, the husk, blow it away, you eat the wheat. You don't throw the wheat away, eat the shaft. This is what God's people are doing today. They're eating shaft and throwing the wheat away. So there's a big attraction by the emergent church because they distort the word of God. Everything's positive. No judgment. No talking about sin. We're all good. We're all going to just help each other. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. The introduction of the symbols revealed to Zechariah, they were related to the temple here. Notice the second scene, 6 through 10. The revelation to Zechariah related to the completion of the temple. In verse 6 and 7, the proclamation to Zechariah called him to believe in faith. That's always part. Faith always points you back to God's revelation. It's not a feeling. It's not mind over matter. It points you to God's revelation whether you believe it or not. The angel delays the answering of the prophet's meaning, the question of the meaning of the things, until after this section. We'll get to it. But the angel prefaces words here with the authority of God. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, 
The authority was the Lord Yahweh, the covenant got to Israel. We've seen this before. The phrase says the Lord appears 22 times in the book. The phrase, the word of the Lord, capital L, Yahweh, appears 13 times in the book. The message was personal for the prophet Zechariah as others. Don't miss it. To him, Jeremiah, God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctify you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nation, Jeremiah 1, 5. To the pagan king Cyrus, God said, Thus saith the Lord to the anointed, the Cyrus, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and lose the armor of kings, to open before him double doors so that the gates will not be shut. Isaiah 45, 1. He's describing the way Cyrus was going to defeat Babylon by deflecting the Euphrates rivers and going under the levee gates and conquering the city without an arrow shot. God speaks to worldly leaders today. They are in the hands of God like the rivers. He guides, he directs, and never against their will. And we don't understand that completely, but God is sitting on his throne, ladies and gentlemen. Notice the angel declared a twofold message in verse 6 there. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The work of the temple could not be accomplished by might, human ability, or power, human strength. This was a divine work of God. They were not to depend on human abilities to finish the temple. It would not do. The work of the temple, as you know, was going to be accomplished by the abilities that he says right here. The strength of God's spirit. But by my spirit, the word but makes a sharp contrast. The problem is we're always trying to help God out. We remember Abraham and Sarah tried to help God out. They, they, they ended up with an Ishmael. You don't want that in life. Ishmael's cost you a lot of trouble the rest of your life. Okay? That's a work of the flesh, not of God. He and others had to believe and depend on God in faith for the efficiency and the effectiveness of the work. You see, somehow we think that we know better than God. Somehow we think that we can perform better than God. After a while, we start believing what people tell us about ourselves. The Spirit of God and the oil in the lampstand will be tied together for the interpretation for oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Specifically in Leviticus 8, where Aaron and his sons and the tabernacle were all anointed with oil, symbolic of the Spirit of God. So it was one of the rule of first mention. Oil is always symbolic of the Holy Spirit, unless the context would indicate different. Now notice in 6, the work of the temple would have great opposition, as he says this. Says the Lord of hosts. The captain of the armies of heaven would be going before them. See, you and I describe often, Christians describe, oh, well, if God's in it, nothing's going to be wrong. Everything's going to flow. Really? Where do you get that? Paul says, hey, a great door, effective door is open to me in Ephesus. Many adversaries. Warfare is implied as well as victory. The building had caused a lot of problems because it has ceased by the false accusations of the Samaritans to our Xerxes because they were not allowed to build with them, as you remember in Ezra chapter 4. The people became complacent and indifferent, so God sent them Haggai to rebuke them over their self-indulgence of their own houses and excluding the house of God in Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 through 10. We saw that. Sixteen years had elapsed, and now God sent Zechariah, the prophet, to encourage them alongside Haggai, they're a tag team. 
They're twins along the work. Pastor Xavier Reese with a reminder and assurance for the simple truth that God's work will come to pass. Now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But you can also request a CD copy of this timely study titled Only by God's Spirit. As always, they're available for just $4. And make sure you share this helpful insight with your brothers and sisters in the Lord once you're through. The title to ask for once again is Only by God's Spirit. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 